Father, thank you, Lord. It's an honor to be in your house this morning, God. And once again, I was searching to hear the still, small voice that speaks clearly. And Father, I thank you that I've heard, and I will deliver the message you asked me to preach. Father, I thank you for the Bible, the vast text that gives us a foundation for hope, a foundation for eternity. And I wish today, Lord, I could sidestep a message really to a nation, but it can no longer be sidestepped. It's obvious that your voice is clear. And I thank you, Father, that today you speak to us from the Word of God, your Word, that many saints have spilled blood for, even this week, in this country. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. The children, you may go to your classes. Amen. Amen. Would you give a hand clap to the Spirit of Job? Wasn't this great? It was nice to see this little guy up here on this side. Did you notice? Boy, that was, buddy, that, is it Noah? His name's Noah. Noah, it was so nice to see up, you up here playing with the worship team, worshiping God. Amen. Amen. They're getting an overhaul back there in their room, so I know there's some trim on the room, and we're looking at some flooring, so. Amen. There they go. Off to learn about Jesus. If you have your Bible with you, you could turn to the book of Luke. We'll be in chapter 10. My dad is having a rough day. His daddy had to retrieve him from Sunday school, and maybe he's tired. We've drug him all over. We had a wedding uh, very late last night at the reception, and um, I figured out I'm really not that good at weddings. Maybe there's even more I'm not that good of. Just don't tell me this week. I can only take one event at a time. Uh, but anyway, we did uh, get through the wedding, and amen. So we're here today. Amen. If you have your Bible, book of Luke, chapter 10, I'd like to read the first verse, and then we'll skip over and take at what Jesus is saying to the 70. In verse 1 of chapter 10, he says, After this, or I'm sorry, after these things, the Lord appointed other 70, and he sent them two and two before his face into every city and place, wherever he would come. Therefore he said unto them, The harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Pray Therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into the harvest. Look at verse 3. Go your way. Behold, I send you forth as lamb among wolves. Let's just continue to read. I was going to skip to verse 8. Let's just continue to read and take a look at here at what Jesus is saying to this 70. Verse 4. Carry neither a purse or a script nor shoes. Salute no man by the way. In whatever house you enter, first say peace. And if the son of peace be there, your peace shall If not, it shall turn to you again. And in the same house remain eating and drinking such things as they give you for the laborers worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house. And in whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat the things that are set before you. And heal the sick that are therein. And say to them, the kingdom of God has come nigh to you. 
But in every city, whatsoever city you enter, and they receive you not, go your way into the streets, and the same say, even the very dust of your city, which cleaves onto us, we will wipe off against you, notwithstanding, be sure of this, that the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. But I say to you that it shall be more tolerable. Please take note of these next verses. They're very pointed. They're very driven by not only generations, but they're driven by nations and by cities that have been prophesied and spoke to before. Look at what Jesus, he uses the illustration of sin in the 70 out. Look in verse 12. But I say to you, it shall be more tolerable in the day for Sodom than for that city. Woe unto you, Chorazin. Woe unto you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which had been done in Tyre and Sidon, which have been done in you, they would have a great while ago repented and set in sackcloth and ashes. But it is more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. Now look at verse 15. And you, Capernaum, which are exalted to heaven, shall be thrust down to hell. He that hears you hears me. And he that despises you despises me. He that despises me despises him that sent me. What a powerful, powerful text of Scripture. What we have happening here um, is we have the 70. So you hear about the disciples, and a lot of times we're very aware of the 12 disciples. But right here we have the 70 disciples. So you also understand that in the book of Acts, there was 120 in an upper room. Christ had just been crucified. We don't know for sure, but it's quite likely that the 70 that are here were possibly in that upper room as well. I know if I was one of the 70 sent and my Savior had just been crucified and they were gathering together somewhere, I surely would gather together with them. And we know that there was the remnant of the disciples other than Judas Iscariot. But here you have an interesting piece in the book of Luke where Jesus is sending the 70 out two by two, and he's sending them to cities, to houses, and he's telling them how they shouldn't prepare, how God is able to take care of them. And it really seems to be a simple message, and we've been preaching on simplicity. And today I'm going to... I keep... Whoa. I keep trying to get it down here pretty soon. I might have it like right down here on my pants, but it, amen, we'll get it worked out. Um, I want to say that... He was beginning to really bring a testimony against not only the generation he was among, but Christ began to speak to generations beforehand who had been spoken to by other prophets, who had been dealt with by the Word of God. And so this was not of my choosing, this text this morning. And so the preacher must be obedient to what God whispers in his ear. And I was told my wife, I was really in the night just waiting on the Lord. And I wish that I was one of those preachers that could get a message on Monday. And you had all week to study. But most of the time I have somewhere between 30 minutes and an hour and a half to get ready for what God wants to use me. And I've always been that way. I don't know if it's my lack or he just gets a real giggle out of doing this. Or if I would have just like trusted in my intellect a whole lot more and I need the Holy Spirit more when amen. So, but anyway, I told my wife, I said, amen, I've heard him loud and clear. And I went to this text this morning as I heard loud and clear. Uh, I want to begin to make mention that he begins to bring the contrast 
of what was happening here among the 70 or the common disciples that were learning to follow Christ. And so never underestimate, number one, the message that you have to deliver, how powerful that is to not only a house, but to a generation, to a city, or to a nation, that when God begins to speak and uses you to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ, that this we must know that this is going to be set at a judgment seat. Christ is making it plain to 70 that he sends out, look, I'm going to use some of what you say to these people against other cities and other generations at other times. And boy, that really started to fill my mind up. And I can't help this week but to get real with this. And I want to be practical because we can try to hide our face as much as we want to. And I would certainly like to as a preacher because after all, the last thing you want to have to address is a corrupt generation and knowing that it's your own country that you live in. Uh, now, here's where it gets serious. Amen. And I know that we are out by podcast, and so I'll get from the uh, outskirts of this some feedback also. But I want to be very straightforward and bold. Uh, preachers have been silenced in many ways that I feel and know that God in this day will begin to speak because he has something to say to generations. And so not just on behalf of our church, but this message is really geared toward a nation today who has lived very... Uh, very freely in a country who's had freedom paid for by the price of the blood of men and women who serve in a country who take an oath that will then move in response to a commander-in-chief and begin. And today we have those men and women serving in the military that today look for and want our freedoms for us. And they are serving diligently. But if I may say to you, it's an unfortunate day to be caught up in the matters of the world that are going on, especially to wonder if when you serve and that you may lose your life on foreign shores today, whether or not it would be as respected today as in generations past. And I believe that's a question many in the military are not only asking themselves, but I say to us that because there was such freedom for many years paid for by the price of the blood of men, that we have enjoyed freedom, but in the midst of this we have the cost of a, a lethargic generation of Christianity, a generation that's got complacent because it was so easy that every Sunday you knew you were protected, you knew you could come to the house of God and nobody would charge you, no one would come after you, and you knew that because of the price of the blood of men, and they have sown that into the soil of foreign shores for many wars, many generations, now we are coming to the end as we see a freedom, and now we're going to have to trust, and I say to the church first, we're going to have to trust in the blood of something other than the blood of men, and that's the blood of one man named Jesus Christ, amen, who sowed his blood at Golgotha's hill for freedom that is eternal. And now we're, we're finding ourselves in a position, we're unsure of whether or not we should speak about it as a pastor, and today I'm urged by the Holy Spirit this morning to speak very directly. Amen. I mean, I pray for the leaders of our country. Amen. I pray for them that they are born again. Amen. See, I am a Christian, number one. I live in a country called America, but my freedom is not based upon America alone. Make no mistake, the way I interpret the Scriptures is not only through the mindset and the glasses of the Americanized gospel, but it's based upon men and women before this that in the Bible paid for what I read today by the price of their own blood. And they were not silent. And I've heard these kind of things since I pastored like, you shouldn't say anything about politics, and if you do, I'm going to leave. It might be a good time for you to leave. Amen. Um, 
So Billy Graham, right after uh, the North Koreans begin to invade South Korea, he wrote a letter to Harry Truman. He said, Harry Truman, I want you to stand against this ideology and every Christian in America. I'll make sure that they are praying for the those that serve and we're praying for you. And we want you to know to stand against this ideology. Amen. And I think what's happening is for me, I don't want to have to do and speak to some of these things, but we have no option. You see, today you watch young people worship God on a stage in a Southern Baptist church in the middle of the Midwestern part of America, but in Oregon this week, somebody's little boy and little girl was asked one question, are you a Christian? And if you stood to your feet, we kill you. And if you say no, we shoot you in the leg. Now this is a difference of the day in which we live. And we're going to have to come to terms with this church. Everybody's still quiet. But I bring a text of Scripture to you today that I speak to this nation. And since we go out by podcast, this can get kind of viral. I pray that our president gets born again. That's what I pray for. And I'll pray that the next one's born again. Because it's the only way. Our country is built upon Judeo-Christianity. Christianity of the Bible. But this week, as Benjamin Netanyahu gives a speech at the United Nations, not any of the three men that represent our country, built upon Judeo-Christianity, could clap in honor of a man who's the Prime Minister of Israel. I'm sad today as a countryman, but I'm encouraged today where the Gospel is concerned. Benjamin Netanyahu stood in 45 seconds of silence and stared down every nation that was there and said, there's not one of you that stand with me today. But he said, I stand for my country and I stand for my people. And the ba- as soon as he said the Babylonians, I thought of the Bible. He said, my people have been in bondage to the Babylonians. And then he said another word, and the Romans had us in bondage. And I thought of the Bible. And he said, neither one of these nations are representative here today. It's because God made a promise to the Jewish nation. And church, don't forget it. He made a promise that whoever blesses you, I will bless. And whoever curses you, I will curse. God said that, not me. And the only reason we are Gentile believers by the faith of the blood of Jesus Christ is because the Jewish nation was allowed to be blinded for a season while Jesus Christ taught so He could allow us as Gentiles to come in by faith. And today we feel the churches of the, 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 across this nation in the United States of America. And I say that we are lethargic, that we should be waking ourselves up as, as quickly as possible. And anything asleep doesn't like to wake up. Amen. I say this to every church in the nation. Amen. Not. I mean, I think we're really, I mean, we've kind of jumped out of bed. Amen. But I know that Hannah, now I have to use Hannah here. Amen, baby doll. I'm going to use you for a little bit. A lot of mornings her mom says, Hannah, get up. And you don't hear anything. <laughs> and then praise it, Hannah, you better get up. Your time's running out. And you don't hear anything. Amen. And I think that's what's happened. You hear this on the news. You hear things happening. And you wish you weren't hearing it. You ever been asleep and really wish you weren't hearing that? Amen. And though, so pretty soon my wife says, Honey, another voice is coming after. Amen. And so normally when I say, Hannah, like that, 
You've got to get up. Amen? And that's kind of what's going on in me today. American church, we've got to get up. Yes. Amen? You've heard the reports. You've heard the nice, neat little voice. American church, we've got to get up. We've got to wake up. The Bible said you could awake to righteousness and sin not. You could actually wake up. I believe that we can wake up to a righteousness that's very real and very true. It doesn't have to be scary and fearful. But look at what Jesus is saying here to nations before. He says to the 70, what's going to happen is you're going to go there and share with them. And then in, in verse 15, I like what he does with Capernaum. With, with Capernaum, he says, and keep in mind, Capernaum was right next to Galilee. So Capernaum understood all of the great blessings of the work of Jesus Christ. If Capernaum is right next to Galilee, like they're literally hearing... I mean, we had a Wednesday night meeting this week at Angie's house, and so we all live relatively close to each other. And so, like, I mean, Angie and Jenny and whoever, if, if someone's raised from the dead, like over at Weir, you've heard about it. Amen. I mean, you have heard about it. If Lazarus just got out of the tomb somewhere within a few miles, we're hearing about it. Amen. Are you with me? So they had heard, Capernaum had heard all these wonderful works of Jesus Christ. And because he was sending these disciples out, he was going to require of this city what they knew. And it matters what you know. You know, I talk to people all the time that are coming to Christ, and I think in a practical way, we should say to them, and I said this week at a Wednesday night meeting, that we shouldn't worry about how much of the Bible we know. Every bit that I know in this Bible will judge me at the judgment seat. It's not what I know that's relevant. It's what am I living? Am I willing to really surrender myself? Does my, I thought about this today. Does my life look like these disciples, these 70? I mean, look how Jesus sent them. Like, hey, go out and find somebody sick and just tell them the kingdom of God's come nigh to them. Amen? No, really. Like at the end of this service, are we just kind of like the disciples? And are we going to move in a way not only that helps for us, but helps the neighbor down the road of the city that we're in? This is really real. This is what Jesus did. Took 70 people, got them in prayers, and said, look, don't even prepare where you're going. I'll take care of you. Just get over there, find somebody sick, and boom. And when they returned, here's what the Bible said in verse 17. The 70 returned with joy. You want some great joy in your life? If we just do the simplicity of the gospel, which is find somebody that's broken and sick and disheartened and in prison and hurt and wherever they may be, feed them and clothe them and help them, and you begin to do the simplicity of the work of the gospel, you can actually return with joy. But it's amazing how quickly we'll replace the joy of doing the will of God with the joy of knowing what the will of God is. And you can sometimes be deceived by the intellectual. And, and man, I've heard all the cheap church conversations for years, but nothing moves me more than to find a man or a woman that's just, just blazing for the gospel, trying to find somebody they can share the gospel with. I ask you today, in, in light of this message, if today you were asked, are you a Christian, knowing that when you stood up, you would be shot. Uh, where would you be with that? Where would you be with it? Wow. I mean, you know, this is like going on in our country. Church, this is going on in our country. And so I pray for leaders like Benjamin Netanyahu. I pray for the age more I'm praying like, God help Israel. Help them as this little bitty nation. But they've been a little bitty nation for a long time amongst a multitude of nations that wanted to destroy them. And I like one thing that he said to his opposers, your plan will not work, it will fail. Because he trusts in the God of heaven. Amen.
But he says here to Capernaum, you are exalted. See, they were exalted in that they had seen so much and heard so much. Yet if they were found rejecting, if Capernaum being the closest to Galilee, at least close enough to know what's going on in Galilee, if Capernaum itself understood the work of Jesus Christ and heard of its doing, His miracles and all of the good works He was doing, and if after these 70 were sent to those houses and were then rejected, and they're, I mean, can you see 70? And they're in pairs, and they're kind of out like doing this. It wouldn't be a good move outside your town. If you've seen these 70 people in pairs, 35 pairs, and they're just straggling all over the countryside, and all of a sudden they run out of a house, and someone throws something at them, the door slams, and they're, they're like kicking the dust off their feet, that's not a good deal. Amen? But I wonder about this Capernaum who knows so much yet still rejects. It reminds me of America. And what he said to Capernaum is, you have been exalted to heaven, but you'll be thrust down to hell because you know so much, it's a greater fall for you. Amen. And this country, our country, the United States of America knows so much. We know so much. And I'm not speaking just to a church this morning. I'm speaking to a nation. Amen. Islam is not Christianity. We don't all go to the same spot. Wednesday night in our group, I'm going to teach a different in what the born-again, resurrected life that's a Christian never said, are you Jehovah's Witness? They said, are you a Christian? For one reason. They wanted to know if the man Christ Jesus was by faith in the life. And this is called the spirit of Antichrist. Listen, in the days of the Bible, they all talked about God. That wasn't the problem. The problem was when Christ came into the picture. When you be, then you, they weren't anti God. They were anti to Christ. They weren't anti to the synagogues. They were anti to Jesus Christ. They weren't anti to going every week and doing what they'd always done. But they were anti to Jesus Christ. Now Jesus Christ is on the move and multiplying His disciples. If you read the English Standard Version of the 28th chapter of Matthew and called the Great Commission, He said, go into all the world and make disciples out of them. But man, what are we making disciples? I mean, the Bible said at the end of the day, He's going to separate sheep from goats. And the difference in the sheep from the goats is that the goats are those who are independent and they don't follow Christ. They're just kind of like churchgoers. They talk about God with you, but it wasn't Christ that they were crucified with. See, Paul the Apostle said, I want to be crucified with Him, nevertheless live. I mean, I want this life of Jesus living in me. I want His joy. I want His peace. I want what He has to offer. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm a Gentile. I have no hope. I need You, Lord. How do You fix my life? And Jesus said, just follow me. Confess your sin. I'll forgive you. I'm going to make you a Christian. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you a fisher. Jesus makes us what we are after we follow Him. And these were true disciples. They were made by Christ to be discipled and taught His way. But they're in nations and they're in cities. Oh, man, everything went through everybody's mind. Oh, my gosh, what's he talking about? I hope this will be the place of your prayer. It'll change our prayers at the end of this service. We pray for our country. Listen, just because America's been great at one time, there's no proof she'll be great in the future. She can fall just as Capernaum falls. She can fall down on her knees because God resists the proud. He still does it. He still resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Huh? And among peoples or nations, He does it. 
He said, oh, Capernaum, you've seen so many wonderful things. Think of all the books and all the tapes that's in America. All the preaching this morning you can get. But if we're not doers of this word, really going out and getting a hold of people. I mean, what I'm seeing, I'm praying with college people for a college, I mean, the college age for this crusade. And I'm telling you, they want nothing. This generation wants nothing to do with just talking about it. They want everything. They're the kind that's like the 70. They're like, Jesus, just tell me where to go. What do I need to do? I talked to a young man this last week, and I can't wait to bring him in and let him start preaching. This young man just fiery, searching out souls. I said, what do you do on Wednesday nights after your youth group? He said, we just go down to college. We start looking around for people, teach them about Jesus. Sometimes it's a Muslim. Sometimes it's I mean, gone are the days that it's going to work just to kind of play Christianity. We're going to have to just get out there and do what we know to do. No talking about it. Just get the job done. Amen. Come back a little messy if you have to. Amen. You know what they did, though? They went out and did it, and they come back with joy. They said they returned with joy, and they said, whoa. And they start doing this big dance. You know, can't you say, Lord, you're not going to believe this. It's like, oh, no, I'll believe this. I know what, you know, I sent you. <laughs> you ever come back like, you're not going to believe it. I really did the work of Jesus, now I'm happy. Amen. But when they come back and said they return with this joy, and they're kind of like, man, you don't, Lord, the devils are subject to us in your name. That's what they said. Jesus very carefully said, don't rejoice that the devils are made subject to you in my name. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Make sure you keep clear where your eyes are headed. Amen. This is not building big ministries and to be... I mean, I, we would have started a, a devil subjection church. Amen. If we'd have been the 70 out, can't you see it? And a group gets together pretty soon. You've got this church called Devils Are Subject to Us in His Name. And there we'd have went. And we'd have been advertising, forgot poor Jesus. There he'd have been left over in the corner. He said, no, don't focus the wrong way. You focus on your eternal life. I gave you eternal life. I made you a disciple. I made you a fisher of men. And Jesus was telling them, when you get to that town or in that house and they reject it, you let them know it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon. And I, I heard an ear to John Lloyd's classroom this morning. He was teaching on Canaan. And these were cities that were prophesied against by previous books of the Bible, Isaiah and Ezekiel. And otherwise, these were kings of those cities. And Jesus begins to lay out in three sects here how that He is going to use this testimony as a, against the generation who rejected. And I tell you, I just have to be honest with you. We're living in a country that's fastly changing. It, it seems almost good to kind of reject the Bible and Jesus. I mean, I'm preaching funerals. I'm preaching at weddings. And people, man, I mean, you get in these things and, and, and it's just like, the Bible's like, what? The Bible? And so it's going to take a day where God really awakes us to righteousness and focuses on eternal life and begin to be sent because of what God needs out of us and not we just need out of Him. Amen. And a lot of times it's when you're going to get what He's got for you that you find what you have. Jesus did more miracles on His way to do something else than anything. He always has time for you. Amen. You've been praying for the leaders of our country. Amen. Do that. Pray for the leaders of our country. Yes. There's no way our pride can exist like this. We can't fold our hands. We can't hold our hands in front of... We can't do it. We can't get separated from an Israel who has the promise of God. You believe the Bible? You know at the end of the day what He does? Because we were brought out of this... We were grafted... It was because of Israel we're here and can believe by faith. God's going to restore them back. That's the whole idea of the second coming. Are you with me? 
Amen. I think pay attention to how you vote. Amen. See what they stand for. See if they stand for your conscience. Oh, I know this isn't popular today. Oh, and I know tradition is, oh, you don't ever talk about that. No, gone are the days of talking about that. You see, my little girl, she's going to have to defend herself in a college classroom the way they did in Oregon this week. Don't tell me not to talk about that. We live in a country that's fastly just throwing the Bible away, throwing the moral standard of all creation away, and I don't stand for it. I'm a preacher of the gospel. Amen. I stand with the Word of God and what it takes, that's what it gets. And if you study the history, you'll find out there was another time they said Jews were no good. But what are they saying today? They're saying Christians are no good. They're coming for Christians. Are you with me? But we preach this stuff. I mean, I've seen more end-time books written, and I'm actually weak scripturally on end-time eschatology. But I can assure you of one thing. We're headed there, church. How will it change us? If we know this is happening, if we know the state, we know the clouds are coming from the west, we know storm clouds are building, how will this change our study and our prayer and our obedience to God and our action upon the Word of God? I mean, this has got to be more than a message today. It's got to be more. This is about your generation, the generation behind you. This is about my children and my grandchildren. If I like freedom, as much as I love that my, my father, my, my great-grandfather, all served in the military, spilled blood, all of these things, we're going to have to trust in the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the only blood that surpasses all the ages. God is able. Let me say this at the end of the day. He loves it when a storm cloud builds against the church. The church does better when it's under pressure. It's not lackadaisical. If you notice in the book of Acts, they got 120 in the room. The Holy Spirit came to give them the strength. And boom, they started multiplying everywhere. The whole, the whole Roman Empire didn't know what to do with these people. They was going everywhere. I mean, they just scattered abroad. And what was once weak has now been made strong. And maybe you sit in the pew today and you're not sure what God wants to do with you. But you know for sure you're called. Maybe you're called to ministry. Maybe you're called to whatever part God wants to fitly frame you in. But so what is the hope at the end of this? That you're going to do the best in this environment if you'll just put Christ first. Amen. And so if we keep Him to the forefront and let Him guide us, He can lead and guide you in all truth. He kept Israel while they was among all the Egyptian plagues. He can keep you in any storm of your life. No matter if you're just coming to Christ or if you've been here for years, the message is still the same. We've got to trust effectually in the blood of Jesus. We've got to lavish the mercy and grace. And when you know trouble's coming after you, you need mercy and grace. Let us not forget that Timothy was bludgeoned to death because he protested a country who worshipped the goddess Diana. Don't tell me the preachers of the ages weren't killed for standing against governments and generations. Say that to those Hebrew children who said to one king, I tell you one thing for sure, our God's able to deliver us, but if He doesn't, I still won't bow to you. Huh? Amen. Or would we curl up in the corner and reject Him because we never knew Him? The difference between the goat and the sheep. The sheep have been fed by the hands of a shepherd. They've submitted their life to Him. He's led them from one green pasture to another. They have confidence that where He goes, they can follow. They keep their head down. That's the difference in the sheep and the goat. The goat keeps its head high. 
A goat is very independent, and by nature sheep will gather together in clusters. We learn to assemble ourselves together even more so as we see this day approaching. There is strength as the sheep get together, especially as they get together and only move when the shepherd calls them. When they only move because they know where he asked them to go is green, where he asked them to go is full of nutrients, where he asked them to go there is peace, where he asked them to go there's joy, and where he asked them to go above all there is safety, because there's a rod and a staff in his hand. This staff is able to keep the sheep while the rod breaks the other nations, and this is the God in whom Israel and the Gentiles, by the faith of Jesus Christ, must trust then in the day in which we live. Amen. That's what Netanyahu said to the rest of the United Nations. Basically because he said there's a rod that will break every other nation coming. A government that's upon the shoulders of Christ. Amen. You believe that? You believe at the last day that Christ is all that's left standing? That every other knee will have to bow? That every other tongue will have to confess? Man, I know it's kind of heavy today. It's a reality. It should change our prayer life. It should change our invitation or altar call for sure. We think this is just over there. Well, then you know what? It's been here and there and here and there. It's like a fire that breaks out in the barnyard. I mean, if you don't get on dry straw quickly, this fire begins to burn the whole barn. I mean, you see a little fire there and a little fire here. Oh. Amen. What can I do about it, preacher? What can I do? Do what the Holy Spirit asks you to do. He's going to guide. He's going to lead you into all truth. He's going to keep you safe. Man, these martyrs this week that stand up and say, "I'm," man, I can imagine one falls, and then the voice comes again. Are are you a Christian? And you, man. This is America. Let's be praying for these families. I pray for leaders in our country that will not be cowardice, but will actually defend our country like they take an oath. Amen. The division you see in our country today is built because we have been a divided house on the gospel that made us, on the rock of truth. Every other thing is a symptom to the real problem. We're a divided country. And because we're divided, it gets, starts to try to masquerade itself as colors of skin and all these different things that you see. And whether you're Christian or you're, it's Islam or whatever it may be. But the truth of the matter is we have a country divided and we pray, God, what can you do with this country? Will you help us, Lord? I mean, pray that we could live in peace. Do you hear my heart's plea today? It'd be a lot easier to come and just bring three points of a message and, and kind of wrap it up and get everyone to feel, trying to feel good about yourself. I don't want that. I hope that God will challenge you and convict and show you and then let us really have a heart for this nation of Israel today that is so surrounded by all the nations. They're everywhere. They're all around them for the complete destruction. Can you imagine living in Israel today and bombs are coming in? I mean, America, we really, are we listening? Capernaum, you're exalted so high. 
But, but Jesus said, I will thrust you to hell. I wonder what he says about America. I don't know, but I'm wondering. Like after I read this text, I'm thinking, Lord, we've had all the preaching and all of the Bible seminaries. We've had all the tapes and CDs and radio stations. We've given money and sent missionaries. And our own leaders, are you kidding me? They're cowardice and they don't stand anything close to the Word of God. In fact, if anything, let it take a beating. Really? I mean, what's God's message to us if He said this about Bethsaida and Capernaum? And, and that if he, oh, It's a time to pray. If my people now... So here's what you can do. If my people... That's God's people. That's the one that the shepherds got to hold the heart of the sheep. If my people... So He says, if the sheep, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways and pray, He said, then I'll hear from heaven. And there's something that's heaven saying in this time and this hour. There's something that heaven is saying that we need to say back to Him. And don't you love it when a father or someone that protects you says, it's going to be okay. Because you can tell him back, it's going to be okay, everybody. It's going to be okay. But you don't know that it's okay until you approach the heavens to ask God, is it going to be okay, Lord? I need your peace. Because if He's 70 in all the houses and all the cities, what was the message they were preaching? They had to first hear a message from Him before they could deliver a message to somebody else. We've got to be more than an intellectual church and an intellectual nation where Christianity is concerned. We've got to be heartfelt and passionate to grab somebody's hand and say, in the midst of catastrophe, it's going to be okay. Jesus is able the Holy Spirit still is alive and well. Amen. A message that must be more than heard, but felt and embraced. And then beyond embraced, and then a doer of the Word of God that begins to go and, and, and speak back to heaven what God has spoken to us. Wow. And no, Islam is not anything close to Christianity as I begin to close this service. There's a split between Abraham's children of Ishmael and Isaac. They believe in the promise of Isaac. Isaac, I'm sorry, the promise of Ishmael. They believe in the arm of flesh. This is why my wife wants me to wear a bulletproof vest at the crusade. It's not a laughing matter. Jesus Christ stands alone among every other false god of our nation. He stands alone and He's the only one that's ever been raised literally by the dead. The Islamic states all deny that Christ ever went to the cross and died. They are a false religion. They are false and hopeless and there's no hope for eternity in it. Man, everybody's uncomfortable. Why are you uncomfortable? Jesus Christ, or if you're a Christian, Jesus resides well in you. All streams don't come to one. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. And no one comes to the Father but by Me, except every knee will bow and tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Then you are not a Christian and you will not live for eternity with God. Amen. I guess we've got to close somewhere. Amen, brother, if you'll start playing. Everyone else is like, yes, preacher, get an invitation coming. Jesus Christ was absolute deity. I say this for the podcast's sake. Jesus Christ is absolute deity. This is disputed among Islam. It's because they believe in procreation. They believe that man can attain righteousness. They believe in the righteousness in the arm of flesh. We do not. 
we embrace the resurrection of Christ and one who says, there's none righteous, not one of you, and all must come by the cross of Christ. If you do not take up your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. This was the words of Jesus Christ. And then as He took sin to the cross and it was buried in a grave, when the high arm of God Almighty... Not a God that would tell you to kill Christians. Not a God that would have you to behead Christians. Not a God that would hide you in darkness and blackness. But a God who will clothe you with white raiment. Will dress you in a white raiment that only Christ could give. Jesus Christ is the only true God. And yes, we believe in the Trinity. And Islam does not. Because it's true. We believe in the Father and the Son. And the Holy Spirit is one. We believe that man was created in the likeness of God. That we have a spirit. We think with a soul and we live in a body. We thank God for His redemption. That's again not by the works of man. We are not motivated by fear but faith. We offer faith to all of humanity and to every nation in the world today who would come and believe upon Christ. We offer salvation because of the blood that was spilled, that changed the covenant from a covenant that the Islamic nation still want to embrace. They'll go as far as Moses, they'll go as far as Abraham. But they fall short of truth. In fact, there's no truth in them. They're motivated by their father, the devil. He's a liar and has been a liar from the beginning. In their heart beats the blood of Cain, who would kill his brother for a more acceptable offering. Although Ishmael looked like Abraham, he had the heart of an Egyptian beating in his breast. And it was by Isaac that the promise came. It was upon Isaac to whom the seed which was spoken concerning Christ, it would be the same seed that would bruise the head of the devil that was prophesied in Genesis. And it bruised the heel of the one on Golgotha's heel. As his very heel bruised the head of a serpent that today is subject. Jesus said that even the gates of hell shall not prevail. Therefore we speak to anything contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Where men and women can come to the salvation by their faith. In one who is resurrected from the grave. By the one true God we offer to them salvation. And as Muslims hear this today, by way of podcast, I say to you, Christ is available to you. Christ went to the cross to give you life. And you are held under the bondage of fear. 
and a system of law and strength of flesh, we offer to you a work of the Spirit, whereby the Spirit of God could give you a new heart, no matter what your color of skin is, what nation you're from. We offer to you Christianity, the love of God. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. I'd like to ask our church here in Riverton to please stand to your feet. I'd like to ask you to bring your offering, bring your tithe, bring them to the Lord, bring your burden for a country, for leaders. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Amen. There's not a better time than now. Amen.